You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is Alexi Lawless. There is nobody in U.S. soccer that is more important than the Cooligans. Yeah, baby. Yes, we are here. We wow. are <laughs> special episode. Special episode. This is exciting. Uh, we are are speaking to a. I, 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 this might be our first uh, filmmaker. Right, I mean, or a film star. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Was Ray Hudson in any movies? I don't think so. Not that I remember. It seems like he might have been in an '80s action movie. Sure. But this is our first film, our first celebrity, our first film star <laughs> that we're gonna have on. And also, we both had the luxury. Well, did you get a chance to meet him? Because I met him. No, I did not meet him. Because this was we. No, you, you did at you did at um NY Fest. Oh, that's playing. right. That's right. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. He was there as well. Okay, okay. But I didn't meet him at Kicking and Screening Festival where his where his film yeah. was. Sc- you didn't screening. get to see the movie. You I didn't get, get to hang out with him afterwards. No, you got you got that luxury. Hardcore. <laughs> uh, but it was also it's a funny movie and it's about soccer. And I mean, what more? What fits Cooligans more than that? Exactly. It's a funny something about soccer, and it's something that we try to do. And it covers a lot more than soccer. It covered a little bit of hurling, a little bit of Irish history, um, which I used to make fun of my wife a little bit because she's also part Irish um, afterwards. So it was great for me all around. Uh, but the star of the movie, um, unless you're driving, I want you to put your hands together for the one, the only, Owen O'Callaghan, everybody. Owen, how's it going, man? <laughs> Uh, it is a pleasure and an honor to be a part of this such a fabulous and wonderful uh, presence that you guys have in this podcast environment. Very special for me to be a guest here. I feel very overwhelmed by this. That's just very wow. That is very sweet of you, well, sir. The 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 fans have become the celebrities all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's great to get a chance to talk to you now. Um, I we kind of knew of you a little bit. You were doing a lot of TV in Canada um, for the uh, for a, like a football kind of news show, correct? Yeah, we we had this kind of very off. TV show called the Fox Soccer Report. So it was. Uh, it, it all took place in this in this tiny studio in Winnipeg, in the middle of Canada. But because it was part of the Fox Soccer Network, it was uh, broadcast right across the United States as well. So um, you you had this kind of really peculiar situation whereby you kind of went into a you shared this office space with all these kind of local news journalists uh, who were kind of busy chasing you know um, bodies that were found in dumpsters, which happened quite a lot in Winnipeg. Um, God bless it. It's a wonderful place. Um, but uh, and, and, and simultaneously to that, in another corner of that office, uh, there was a small group of uh, of uh, soccer journalists creating this <laughs> creating this TV show for Fox Soccer Channel, and that was us. So it was a a little bit of a weird um, contrast, but uh, it was this cult TV show, and um, you know, it, it, I think it still is kind of well remembered and well regarded um and it was yeah it was, a, it was it was an amazing kind of boyhood dream uh you know when you're in your early 20s and you get asked to sit in the studio for an hour every night and talk about um not just premier league soccer but uh bundesliga france syria mls obviously um so it was great it was absolutely incredible sort of time in my life professionally so um i'm sure there are Maybe a handful of, of your listeners who may remember Fox Soccer Report, and hopefully they will have good memories of it. 
what you were describing sounds very much like what we're doing now, right? We're just, I mean, obviously, I, I imagine the you know a show on Fox is probably a little bit more serious than the Cooligans podcast. <laughs> just a tad, <laughs> but not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, I'm curious, just since we have decided to kind of make a, a stronger focus on Major League Soccer. What is your impression of Major League Soccer and how was that? I know, uh, uh, you know, uh, MLS has two teams, uh, three teams in Canada, uh, but what, what was the reception like of Major League Soccer in Canada? You know, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit of a, of, of, of a strange one north of the border because, um, you know, if you kind of look at, at Toronto FC um, as something that's kind of existing its own, in its own bubble a little bit right now. Um, you know, I remember, obviously, you know, Toronto have been through so many trials and tribulations. And, and uh, you know, when we were actually doing that TV show for Fox, uh, ESC were, were, were the biggest MLS joke in town. You know, it followed along that same pattern of, um, you know, Toronto was a sports mad city, but they couldn't win anything. Um, so, I mean, to see them now and, and to see uh, how well they're, they're playing. I actually, I remember coming to Toronto in like the summer of 2015 when the Women's World Cup was on. Um, I went to a game. It was, um, it, it was the first time I'd seen them play under Greg Vanny. And I, was, I left BMO Field that day thinking, there's something a bit different about this team. They were really, really slick that day. It was, a, it was a Canadian derby, actually. They beat Montreal that afternoon. And they were they were just really really different and really really uh, energetic and and, and uh, really well run. And I left thinking, you know, maybe there's something. And um, so so in in terms of the Canadian kind of environment, I think CSC are kind of existing, on, you know, in, in kind of out on their own a little bit and slightly detached from both Montreal and Vancouver, who who obviously are just trying to play catch up a little bit. Um, but it's it's difficult up here. It's, it's um, it's not even just from an MLS perspective, you know, but but even in terms of how it trickles down, um, you know, obviously, obviously, something like the NASL has, has undergone its own problems recently. But you lost a team like FC Edmonton. Edmonton in Canada has always had a kind of a rich pedigree of, of soccer in the country. There's no professional team there right now anymore. Um, so you know, there's, there's, that's kind of been a bit of a blow. But obviously, there's this, uh, this ongoing plans for the Canadian Premier League, which which will obviously be this it's kind of its own entity, but you're trying to figure out how that's gonna work without Montreal, Vancouver, um yeah. and Toronto being part of that. So it's a difficult one up here. Um and it's uh it's it it's uh, and it and it's weird because obviously the best the best shown town is, is Toronto City. So again it's it's a little bit of a, a weird situation in, in, in many respects. But um but hopefully, um, TFC will continue to, to kind of keep the, the spotlight shining up here a little bit. I mean, what do you? What also do you make of just being someone that follows soccer uh, so strongly, and now having you know these three Canadian teams that are doing pretty well, and and a lot of the youth products now seem to be doing really well, in particular over in Montreal, which I know you guys don't consider part of Canada, but uh, <laughs> you've got uh, the kid Tabla who just got sold to Barcelona to play for Barca B, made his first um, made his first appearance for Barca B, and the next day he's training with the actual first team. Uh, you know, zero to a hundred to quote a Toronto rapper, <laughs> but that seems. 
to be something that's developing so quickly. First of all, where are these kids training? You live in igloos. <laughs> and second of all, like how what what does this mean? You know, you got the Canadian Premier League starting up. You've got all these, you know, teams that are doing pretty well and drawing big fans uh, for the MLS, which shines a big light. Canadian players are now domestic players in MLS. All of a sudden, you've got these youth players making these big moves. What does that mean for you guys? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's really should bring that up because even Kyle Lahren has finally kind of um, dropped out moved to Besiktas sorted as well, um, which was obviously kind of a, a, a long-running saga. He was going to um, move to Europe regardless if anybody wanted him to go or not. <laughs> he, was, he was taking photos with any jersey you handed him. <laughs> Uh, it's it's yeah, but it's the kind of internationals being up here is is just is just so strange. Um, you know, obviously a lot of it's made of Alfonso Davis for 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 uh, understandable sort of reasons. Uh, but you know, we we you know Canada haven't been at a World Cup since 1986. That's kind of an entire generation. So um, there's there's this thing where yeah, you you do uh, want to kind of wax lyrical about about uh, domestic players and particularly underage players, but still history will show you that it's, it's not a clear, um, you know, it's not a clear kind of stepping stone to, to the top. And, and what you want to do is you want to retain those young players and give them the best chance possible to, to succeed. And, and, and ultimately like that, obviously the U.S. kind of have a better grip on it in terms of, uh, you know, a certain player, like Bush Dortmund, who, Decided to head to Europe to, to, to develop as a player rather than to stay domestically. So there is that sort of thing where you, you, you certainly want to get the benefit of these players long term. And, and does that mean that you kind of have to have to let them fly a little bit and, and, and think pastures new? Um, and, and certainly, I think in, in the Canadian from a Canadian perspective, that's that's equally true. Um, that the kind of infrastructure here um, and, and the resources that we give to those players, it's just it's just, just just not strong enough. And and uh, and ultimately. But you personally judge, you kind of have to really go and, and prove yourself at those levels. Um, and, and I think that's probably the frustrating thing where um, you, you have these exciting, uh, you know, youngsters who are hinting at great things. But yet, at the same time, you have such a fall off in terms of where the international team is, you know. And, and you know, obviously, you guys have probably, you know, heard about the John Herdman appointment and he's taken over uh, the, the senior men's team here. Obviously, after doing a great job with the women's side, but you know the, the men's program really has been pretty chaotic. Um, Coach is bouncing, bouncing in and out, left, right, and centre, and um, there just hasn't really been any sense of stability and any long-term planning. So you just would 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 hope um, that, that that in the short and, and medium term they can firstly get that sorted, and then those younger players that are thinking of good things can be part of the system that. Um, has been thought out and, and, and has been planned and, and programmed, and, and then they can obviously be rewarded. Well, let's talk about Celtic Soul because there is. Uh, I didn't get to. I didn't get a chance to see the movie yet. Alexis did. Yeah. And, and from our fans, you may hear an accent, and no, that's not a Toronto accent. You're hearing on Owen. <laughs> yeah, you are originally from Ireland, this and this a, movie involves Ireland. Is Irish man. So I and I, we both of us, oddly enough, have a very deep connection to Ireland. I I went to uh, Dublin a couple years ago to my brother. He's a professional handball player, yeah. and handball uh, originated from Ireland. Uh, when when Irish uh, immigrants settled in in Brooklyn in New York and uh, and then Alexis is, we just went there recently and and fell in love with the city. We both done comedy in Ireland, uh, but uh, a couple of things before we talk about Celtic Soul, let, uh, let's talk about uh, uh, both of our countries missing out on the World Cup. 
Uh, we are both uh, uh, going to be, well, you know, watching it on TV. Uh, how did you feel uh, about uh, Ireland not, uh, you know, qualifying this uh, this this time around? Uh, well, um, the what happens in Ireland usually is we don't do well when we're expected to attain a level of success. Well, so, that's the, I think that's the Irish sentiment in in its entirety. Yeah, it's like, oh God, I hope we don't succeed because then people are going to expect it, or that, or <laughs> that means something bad's going to happen after. That seems to be the Irish way to go. Yeah, I mean, when someone says to you, uh, "Oh, you should really win today," that's the kiss of death. You know, that's really the worst thing that anyone can say. <laughs> uh, so, because we had because we had attained a level of success uh, at the European Championships in 2016. Uh, got to knock those stages, and also conjured... But basically, the Irish soccer history is, is kind of um, have these punctuation marks, which is these, uh, you know, these iconic soccer moments that, you, you you know, as a kid, you grew up seeing them. Hopefully, as a kid, you, you grew up and, and get to experience one or two of them. And at the European Championship 2016, Robbie Brady's header against Italy, um, you know, is, is one of those defining kind of moments. There's a photo of Robbie Brady celebrating with his family immediately after scoring that goal. He's got his eyes closed and his brother is kissing him and uh, his, 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 his girlfriend is kissing him. And you're like, oh, my God, this is high emotion. This is exactly what sport's all about. So when you reach that level, from an Irish perspective, um, <laughs> there has to be a regression to me. And that's precisely kind of what happened in terms of... The, 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 universe, the universe has to balance itself out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, you know, you have to put up with... Um, you know, like, so, so basically, we, we do well at Euros, so people are now expecting a certain level of performance. And unfortunately, historically, we struggle to do that. And um, it, 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 was, it was hard to watch occasionally. The, the actual product itself was really, really boring and really grey and that really just about getting over a line. Uh, you know, it was catchy in terms of Martin and Roy Keane, in terms of their... Uh, how they were dealing with the media, those hard questions in their face, and they were they were kind of not fronting up and, and not admitting that that it was it, that it was difficult on the eye. It was all about results, blah blah blah. And then ultimately, um, you can only use that excuse to a certain extent. So you can only use that excuse once results are going your way. So when you get absolutely slapped up uh, by Denmark uh, in your own backyard. Um, with essentially uh, everything to play for and everything on the line, you can't really turn around and say, well, we got this far based on this level of performance because ultimately um, the result has gone against you. So um, it, was, it was difficult. I mean, it, it, I mean, the actual game itself against Denmark was quite traumatic um, just because, you know, everything just just ended up, you know, it, 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 you know, a, a term used back back home is you know the arse fell out of it, and and you know that was it. It was like the arse just fell out of the entire game. Um, so you know, it, it's just not really justifiable having a, a complete collapse like that. And and ultimately, it, it was kind of a bit of a hangover, right? It it was a hangover from the good times, and and uh, as, as anyone as anyone knows, who enjoyed good times in Ireland. Hangovers do tend to last, you know, a considerable amount of time. So um, this was just this was just our one to deal with. It was it was disappointing. I, I kind of felt as well that it was it, it maybe was time for for Martin O'Neill to, to step aside and, and maybe for uh, you know, a, a new man to come in because the squad was transitioning as well. We've already had a couple of retirements uh, of, of certain players uh, who, who were kind of immersed in veteran status and they stepped away. So um, it's a big slate. 
Uh, but the, it, it's the old management team, um, you know, heading into to the, to, into the, the Nations League and, and all that fun stuff. So um, it was it was disappointing, but historically, if I put it into context, it, it certainly wasn't too surprising. Ultimately, <laughs> that's a, I mean, it's so funny just the the different tone that the Irish fans take versus the American fans take at at failure. The Irish <laughs> ones are like, well, what did you expect? You know, how dare you expect success? I was there during uh, the last World Cup. Uh, yeah. Not, well, not the yeah, yeah. I was there during the last World Cup, and it it was when Ireland uh, played against Germany, and I and there is that sentiment. I and it was in, it was different being in a country like Ireland where like where where football is is it's a little bit more it's more important and more significant. I would say per capita than than in the United States, but the mm. at the first whistle you you really felt like there was a, we're gonna this we're gonna get a result against germany yeah <laughs> and then uh and then they lost i think like five nothing or yeah. four nothing and then every all the all the irish guys i was with they were just like ah oh, they're shite they're yeah, shite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was great i just, it, just at least you can laugh about it afterwards yeah what, for sure which is what's significant speaking of laugh about it afterwards <laughs> or during um you got a chance to go with uh jay baruchel to go find, I guess you kind of traced a little bit of your history and you learned a little bit about, about Ireland, but the point of the film Celtic soul is to go and get a chance to go watch, uh, the Glasgow Celtic, uh, you know, uh, football team play and get a chance to go to uh, paradise, which is hilarious way to name anything in Scotland. Uh, and you also trace a little bit of the history of where, uh, the Celtic left a little bit and how, you know, a lot of your ancestors left and Jay Baruchel's ancestors left. Yeah. And also, if you don't know who uh, the listeners, if you don't know who Jay Baruchel is, oh, yeah, he's, a, he's one know. of those guys, he's in every movie. Yeah. You've seen him a million times. <laughs> you probably, some people don't remember his name, but he was in knocked up. He was in, uh, uh this is the end. This is the end. Yeah. He was in a bunch of movies and a bunch he's, of Judd Apatow. Stuff, yeah. A lot of Judd Apatow stuff. Hilarious, uh, dude. What was that like for you? Was, uh, was I know in the beginning of the movie it said that you didn't know Jay Baruchel uh, and you sort of got a chance to meet in Montreal because he refuses to move to LA and he lives in Montreal. Is that was that for the film or was that true that you that's the first time you guys met? Uh, it was definitely the first time that we had a camera crew with us. Um, we we had met each other just once once before, uh, which was when we were trying to concoct the plan. Ultimately, we had had a lot of conversations and, and about 4,000 text messages um, and we had already kind of ironed out a lot of what we wanted to do but uh, I think as well uh, we also kind of just felt the need that we, we need to, to see that we could gel um, because you know it was it was important for us to have a rapport and to have uh, you know that ability to bounce off each other what was that you like know, I think that, what was that like traveling through a country with someone who seems, you know, like uh, as fun and free spirited, but also probably kind of hard to corral sometimes like Jay Baruchel and, and yourself, you know, just sort of both of you guys in this new experience, because it leads to a lot of very hilarious moments in the movie. But what was just that like? Uh, it was it was it was it was pretty surreal because it's like, um, you know, firstly, I mean, everyone thinks that they're funny, right? Everyone thinks they're funny in their own way. Like, <laughs> I'm hilarious, obviously. Not us. Building, Not us, you know, I'm just gonna be, <laughs> you know, Yeah, there's going to be zingers popping out every second. Um, but then you're actually on camera with the guy who's, like, naturally one of the funniest people in the world. And you're thinking, is this really going to work? 
you know, is my humor going to translate here? Um, but but no, it, I mean, once you once we got on and once we had, um, you know, the kind of blueprint for for our friendship to kind of uh, to kind of bounce off. Um, I mean, that, that, solved, uh, that solved a lot of problems. I mean, ultimately, when you put two guys in a car and ask them to drive around Ireland, there, there is going to be kind of organically bizarre and funny things that will happen, uh, no matter if cameras are running or, you know, or, or not. Um, and that's kind of what happened. I'm a bit pleased that, 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 some, of, that some of the more, uh, more hilarious moments weren't captured on camera because... Uh, sometimes, um, you know, like just logistically, uh, all of our all of the car was wired up for cameras all the time. But as soon as it got dark, the material was effectively, uh, you know, unusable. Um, just because you know, if we're having a conversation in the car, you can't see either one of us. The guy can't stick it in the, in the edit. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there was this uh, there was this amazing moment, which is so natural. Um, so, like Irish people love death. Right, they're, they're, they do a great job with death. Um, <laughs> we, we love a few, we love a funeral. Here, uh, when someone dies, it, it's part of that kind of really black humor type thing. Um, but there is this one thing in Ireland, and Jay found organically. He was in the front of the car and he was uh, fiddling around the radio, trying to get a, a radio station. And uh, it was during a, it was during a news bulletin on local radio. And so he's, you know, and I'm like, oh. I just want you to listen to this thing that's about to happen. And Jay's literally saying, well, you know, and I'm not sure if Ireland is the only country where this thing exists, but we have something that's called the death notices. So the news reader on a local radio station will take this time of who has died in the local area. Um, so, you know, you have your little news headline, and then it's O'Callaghan, Owen, peacefully, surrounded by family and friends. And Jay is looking at me saying, what is happening? And I'm like, I'm so excited because you've got to experience this incredibly uh, beautiful, organic Irish thing, which is the radio death notices. <laughs> and it was a really funny scene. But unfortunately, unfortunately, it all happened in the dark, so we couldn't actually use it in the movie. So oh, that was, that's a shame. That was relatively heartbreaking to me, actually. It's so funny you said that because as we were driving from uh, the sort of, I guess, the Galway area to Dublin, we were kind of tired of the music on our Spotify on our phone. So we just decided let's listen to some radio. And I'm not sure if I necessarily heard the Irish death bulletin, but I know that we became depressed very quickly <laughs> uh, and we went back to listening to music about people selling drugs in Atlanta. Like that's, that, was, the, that was more comforting. The general tone of Irish radio is like none who you are forced to stand next to for an elongated period of time. Uh, it's the show. The movie itself is absolutely hilarious. And we got a chance to, or at least I got a chance to see it at this point now, a year ago, but it's now finally coming to light where the general fans can see it. Where can people go find this movie? Where can people go see this absolutely hilarious movie with you and Jay Baruchel? Uh, so it is uh, finally through the very nice people uh, at Kicking and Scooting, um, Rachel Marcus, Greg Lallis, Ollie, Noah, the whole team. Uh, yeah, it's finally available right across the United States. So on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Hulu, uh, Comcast, DirecTV, all of those various uh, outlets where people tend to get their uh, media from these days. Um, it, it's not it's not uh, blockbuster anymore or whatever. 
Um, it's uh, but it, it yeah, it's widely available on all those um, on all those outlets. So uh, it, we released it probably about two weeks ago now. Um, so it, it's kind of weird. You you kind of unleash it to the wider to the wider sphere. Uh, so you get all these messages from complete strangers and. It's uh, it's very very strange. I, I I told my dad there's a scene in the movie with uh, my parents. Yeah. And, oh, uh, the stuff with your parents and your wife is hilarious. Yeah. It, it, it's uh, it, it's it's because they're, they're very quintessentially Irish. So you know you and they're I have to explain to them. You know we we want to film this scene with you guys. They see oh stupid every minute detail of what was going on, they still had have no idea what it was. Um, you know, at one stage after we filmed, uh, you know, my dad got up and he's, he's making small talk with Jay and um, he asked Jay what he did for a living. Um, and Jay, because he's such a humble, nice guy, he said, oh, you know, I do a bit of acting and I do a bit of writing. And in my dad's head, he obviously hears the word writing. He thinks, oh, well, Owen does a bit of writing. He obviously is kind of writing the same way. And he says to Jay, well, Jay, you can tell everyone in the next piece you write about all the crazy people you met in Ireland. And I have to say to my dad, dad, Jay writes soon. Like, he doesn't, he's not a travel writer. Like, he doesn't work for Lone Planet. Yeah, he's you know, right. But my dad, he's just... He just doesn't get it. Like, I mean, what's the film? What's the screenwriter? Like, what? Like, he just doesn't know. So I had to tell him that, um, you know, listen, Dad, you've now got a burgeoning fan base right across uh, all of North America, not just Canada now, <laughs> but it's released on iTunes and Google Play in the States. So just be, just be prepared for the agents to start calling you. Um, you know, that there is a certain niche of, a, of an octogenarian Irish person that I think my dad would be perfect for across a wide variety of maybe independent films. Um, so he's, he's waiting by the phone every day, um, in advance of those agents from Hollywood who are, who are ready to call him. Hilarious. Jay Baruchel, the travel blogger. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Owen, for taking the time to speak with us. Um, I really enjoyed the film. Uh, there's a bunch of places you go to Google play, voodoo, Amazon, iTunes, on uh, spectrum, direct TV, Walmart, target, Best Buy, a lot of places for Christian to finally go see this I film. I will watch. I will and, get it on iTunes. I will and everyone it. listening. Uh, so get a chance, go check that out. It's absolutely hilarious. If you like soccer, even if you hate Celtic, I don't care if you have a Rangers tattoo on your forehead, <laughs> you will enjoy this film. It's it's absolutely hilarious. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us, Owen. It's a pleasure. Thanks so many. Cheers. Uh, that's it for us. My name is Alexis Guerreros. My name is Christian Polanco. Together, what are we? The Cooligans!